Welcome to Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia. This podcast is a collection of messages designed to help you grow in our three anchors of real devotional life, real community, and real responsibility. We hope that you enjoy this message and that it encourages you in your spiritual growth. So I, I grew up in, in Illinois, the great state of Illinois. Um, when, right after high school, but before I went to college, Jesus got a hold of my heart and revolutionized my life. In fact, I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just a little weepy tonight, but I was sitting there, we were singing those songs, and I just began to weep because I just, what the Lord has done in my life. And then I, in college, I was discipled in God's word, understood my faith so much better, and it was really revolutionary for me. My wife was an agnostic when she went to college, and, and uh, the Lord revolutionized her life when she was in college. And and we, 22 years ago, so uh, I got my degree in public accounting and worked as a CPA. My wife worked as a dietitian. And, and then the Lord called us into ministry, so we quit our jobs. We went to our training, and we moved here. And 22 years ago, we started Chi Alpha. So, um, so God's been really gracious to us, and we are really, really glad you're here. And I feel like I'm really hot, so if we can turn me down a little bit, that'd be great. Because I'm going to get a little passionate, okay? So anyways... I want to introduce the series that we're going to be going through this semester. I'm excited about the, uh, the, semester, the semester and the series. We're going to do a series called Foundation, a study in the book of Romans. Here's a fact. We all need a strong foundation in our life. We need a foundation um, that can steady us, that can bear the weight of our lives in a world that is very um, unstable and a world that is very broken. And what the Apostle Paul, who wrote the book of Romans, gives us in the book of Romans is this really strong, solid, stable foundation of gospel truths, of truths about Jesus and what it means to walk with him that we can then stand on in the midst of every area of our life. And he talks about what it looks like to bring each area of your life onto the foundation of the gospel. And so we're going to be doing this semester, we're going to be walking through the book of Romans and looking at what it looks like to live with a gospel foundation. And I am really excited about this series. Okay, there's something about beginnings that are sweet times. Um, how many people like to get off to a good start, right? I mean, that, everybody wants, I mean, no one says, I want to get off to a bad start, right? I mean, it's like, I, I think I'd like to, you know, just kind of blow it for a little while. No, everybody wants to get off to a good start. Um, that's why you go to the gym your first week of the semester, right? So, so well, he's like, oh, I already blew that one, right? That's uh, uh, why you do your readings, you know, for the first week at least. You want to get off to a good start. I remember uh, one time when I wanted to get off to a good start, I, it was my internship between my third and fourth year with this accounting firm called KPMG. And you got to understand, I grew up in a small town in in Illinois, and I was an intern in St. Louis, and and, and our building was in this, like, skyscraper building in the heart of the business district, and so I remember the first day of the internship, I go in, I got my suit on ready, you know, for this internship, and, and it's lunchtime, we get to know each other a little bit, it's lunchtime, all the interns go out for lunch, and we're walking back, and I'm walking behind this seasoned urbanite by the name of Jennifer Leesman. Her dad was a partner for one of the firms in town, and so she like knew the city, you know, she, she knew what she was doing. Well, I was walking behind her, we're coming up to the office building, and 
Um, there's this thing called a revolving door. You guys know these revolving doors? Like I'd only seen these in hospitals, like where you like push a wheelchair through the revolving door. You know what I'm talking about? Like the great, big, I mean, big revolving door. This was like just a normal door, but it revolved. Okay. And so, so we're talking and uh, she's heading for the revolving door. So I'm following her in the revolving door. And I found out that apparently it's only meant for one person at a time. <laughs> So, so we're having a conversation. I want to break the conversation. So I just kind of got in the revolving door with her until the door hit me in the back of my heels. And she turns around and she says, you're crazy. And I'm walking like this to the revolving door. And I realized apparently it's only one at a time in the revolving door. And it's not exactly the start that I'd hoped for to my illustrious professional career. But... Um, it really wasn't that consequential. I, I played it off like I knew that it was only supposed to be one. You know, like, of course, you know, I'm just being silly, you know. And, and I, I played it off like it's no big deal. And it wasn't that consequential. But there are other decisions that you make at the beginning of new seasons that the choices that you make will determine the trajectory of your life. In fact, here's a, a little axiom for tonight. The your trajectory is determined by your decisions, not your intentions. No matter how well-meaning your intentions may be, your trajectory is established by your decisions, not your intentions. In fact, there are probably a, f a handful of decisions you're going to make this semester that will set the trajectory of your life in college and likely for the rest of your life. And three of those decisions, and three of maybe some of the three most important questions you will answer in, while you're here at UVA are actually derived that we're gonna come to as we look at the first chapter of the book of Romans. And so this passage that we're gonna look at tonight could not be more consequential for you. So if you have a Bible, open up to Romans. It's right after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then Romans. And if you don't, um, then look off somebody next to you or get one of those free Bibles. We would love to give you a copy for yourself. Okay, so we are going to look at Romans number one. No, number one, chapter one. Romans number one. It's only, there's only one Romans. Okay, all right. Romans chapter one, verse one. And really quickly, we're going to come to the very first question you need to answer. And here it is. Paul introducing himself says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Okay, stop there for just a moment. Paul is introducing himself and he does something very, very important. He answers a very fundamental question. This is one of the three questions that you're gonna have to answer when you're here at UVA. And here's the question, who am I? Who am I? See, here's what you need to know that well, in, in this one verse, Paul gives us his own self-perception of himself, right? He tells us who he is to, to his Roman audience and to us. But here's what you need to know. In the Roman world, it was a highly stratified culture. It was a, it was a place where your social class meant everything. In other, and actually, your social class determined what you wore. Your social class so that way, when you went around town, everybody could know what your social class was. When they see you immediately, oh, he's, he or she is in this social class. So it determined what you wore. It determined what job you could get. It determined um, who you married. 
It determines your future. Everything depended on your social class. And how does Paul introduce himself? He says, the very first thing he says, a servant of Christ Jesus. In the Roman world, one of the most lowly, one of the most humble positions you could ever be in is a servant. What is Paul saying? Paul's saying this, I'm not going to play the Roman game. I'm not going to try to compete. I'm not going to try to outdo the next person and, and try to curate some identity that makes me legitimate in other people's eyes. He says, I am simply a servant of Christ Jesus. I'm not going to try to impress people. And you see, everything that he tells about himself is connected to his relationship with Jesus. Because when you have a gospel foundation, your identity is built on the fact that you are in relationship with Christ. It flows from Christ. Okay, here at UVA and our culture in general, there's a couple different ways that people like to answer the question, who am I? And one is, in fact, Tristan, you could have just you know, shared my message, but uh, thanks for leaving me a little bit, you know what I'm saying? But thank, yeah. <laughs> but, but, but the first way is this, having your identity answering the question, who am I, based on um, what I do and how well I do it. And many of you were, were quite good at things in high school. You, were, you had athletic prowess, or you had academic prowess, and, and that's how you got here. And so it would be easy for you to build your identity on your athletic prowess or your academic prowess, and, and then you'd take Orgo. <laughs> and count two. And what you start to find out is, is that this having your identity based on your performance can actually grind you to powder and it's terribly unstable. Or another way that we in our culture try to, try to curate our identity is by what, what I would say, um, what, our, what the perception of others is of us, or put it this way, what others think of me. And so we want to get into clubs and we want to get into majors that will be esteemed, that will have prestige. We want to get into the acapella group that will be prestige or the fraternity or sorority. And, and so that way people will perceive us in a certain way. Or we curate these posts. We take like eight pictures and we find the best one. And then we put it like that was the first one, right? Like, oh, I just got out of bed. You know, and, you, and because you, you want people to perceive you in a certain way. And then you actually go back to your phone in about 10 minutes to start to see, is it catching on? Are people making comments and giving likes? Because you're trying to curate your identity on what other people think or maybe it's your relational status or maybe how beautiful people find you to be and you're trying to create an identity based on what other people think of you now here's the problem there's nothing more fickle than a crowd and what Jesus offers us is an identity that is built on his grace, not built on your performance or not built on people's opinion of you, but built on the fact that you're in a relationship with the living God based on the grace of God. And so, if you want to know what the Bible says about your identity as a follower of Jesus, just uh, go ahead and put up verse 7. Here's what it says. You are loved by God and called to be his holy people. Here's your identity. Your identity is that you're loved. You don't have to, you're loved and you are his. And here's the fact, people will walk around these grounds trying to build an identity in one of these ways of of, of maybe their, their performance or their popularity and it will never compare to the fact 
that in Christ you're loved by God and you are his. And sadly, even many Christians answer that question in ways that are outside of a gospel foundation. Let me give you a pro tip. If you want to build your identity on the gospel, that you're loved and you're his, one of the best ways that I can encourage you to do that while you're here at UVA is this, is to engage in one of our, what we call anchors, a real devotional life of spending time with God in his word and spending time with him in prayer and being reminded of how much you're loved, of the depth of his grace and that you are his. And it will set you free from trying to go, in, go out and earn an identity that will be terribly unstable and that will grind you to powder at UVA. So how will you answer the first question, who am I? Let me ask you that question. How will you answer that? Will you answer it like Paul? Will you answer it like hundreds of other followers of Jesus at UVA? Or will you answer it like the rest of UVA? So that's the first question. And how you answer that question, the decision you make there will set a trajectory for your time at UVA and beyond. The next few verses, Paul introduces himself to the, to the church, and then he talks about how he's heard about this church and, and how much he prays for the church. And then these two verses that just blow my mind, verse 11 and 12, he says this. He says, I long to see you, this is to the church room, I long to see you so that I may impart some spiritual gifts to you to make you strong. That is, that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay, listen to this. The Apostle Paul is writing this young church in Rome, and he's saying, I long to see you because I want to encourage you. And here's what I know. If you lived in Rome in that day and you're a follower of Jesus, you probably needed encouraged. I mean, think what it was like to walk through Rome in that day. You would walk by all the Roman propaganda about, about Caesar, where Caesar was called Lord and Savior. And then as you would walk, you would walk past temples to other gods and you'd walk past temple prostitutes and you'd walk past brothels and sexual immorality. And then you would, uh, you, you would walk past all the materialism and all the class structures and it would be disorienting for you. And so, yeah, you needed encouraged in your faith if you're a follower of Jesus. Can I tell you at UVA, you need encouraged in your faith because UVA can be disorienting. Um, so Paul says, I look forward to mutually encouraging you and you, and he says, by each other's faith. Okay, so I get that part. But here's the th part that's always shocked me. Paul's like, and I look forward to being encouraged by you. And you're thinking, okay, how would that feel if Paul wrote a letter to your core group and he says, hey, I'm coming to your core group and I can't wait to be encouraged by your faith. I mean, the guy who like wrote 13 of the 66 books of the Bible, the guy who planted churches over much of the ancient world, he's, he's like, I can't wait to be encouraged by you. That just blows my mind. Does that blow your mind? And here's what I'm thinking. If Paul needs encouraged in his faith, guess what? I need encouraged in my faith and you need encouraged in your faith. There is no one who doesn't need encouraged in their faith in Christ. Um, so the second question that I have is, where will I receive my encouragement from? Here's what I know. 
Everyone's going to be encouraged by someone. The question is who and where are they going? Everyone is going to be encouraged by someone. The question is, who and where are they going? And the answer that you give to this second question may be the most consequential question that you will answer while you're at UVA. One of the professors at Harvard, I think he's still there, his name is David McClellan, uh, talked about how those people that you habitually associate with will become what he called your reference group. And the... Your reference group, he says, will be the people who determine as much as 95% of your success and failure in life. Your reference group, according to David McClellan of Harvard, will determine up to 95% of your success or failure in life. Here's the fact that those people who are in your inner circle will determine the trajectory of your life. They will. This means that we all need community, brothers and sisters in Christ who have the same goals, who are going in the same direction, or if I can put it this way, we all need workout partners. Um, when I was in high school, I worked out a lot, that's why I'm so massive still, but it's hard to find clothes, but you know, we make it work. <laughs> <It's> a, <laughs> so... Um, But my workout partner was my cousin Adam. And here's what I know, that I worked out more because I had a workout partner. I was more faithful. Here's what I also know. Um, I was stronger because of Adam being my workout partner. Because, I mean, how many people know this, that like sometimes you'd rather go take a nap than go to the gym? Anybody with me on this? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about. But you're like, no, Adam's gonna be there, I gotta go. So you go, because you're like, you don't want to leave him hanging. So anyways, and then I was stronger because of my workout partner because of the two-finger spot. You know what I'm talking about, the two-finger spot? Like you're, you're, you, you feel like, you know, you're about ready to die. Big bar, you know, a couple hundred pounds or you know, bar, you know. You know how it goes, as one does, you know. <laughs> anyways, got the bar, and you're like, oh, please grab it. And they do, you got this, you got this. You're like, no, grab the bar. No, no, you got this. There, I told you. You know what I'm talking about? That where they, they push you to get to where you wouldn't go by yourself. And all of us in our walk with Jesus will be more steady and more stable, will be more faithful and more fruitful when we walk with a workout buddy when we walk with people who are going in the same direction and have the same goals. We all are going to be encouraged by someone. The question is, who will it be? This is why the second anchor is real community in our fellowship. And I want to encourage you to join a core group. I don't think there's anybody in here that doesn't need something like core group. Last night, I went to my core group And it encouraged me. I left encouraged because we all need it. If Paul needed it, I need it, you need it. The place that it is best found is in a vital core group that will keep you vital in your life with Jesus, right? That will encourage you and build you up as you follow him. Okay, and then finally, the last question that we're gonna look at tonight In verse 16, Paul is so excited about coming to Rome. He's like, I'm going to come to Rome, and I am so excited to share the gospel with you. And then he says this, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Verse 16, 
Go to verse 16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. And so Paul, he's like, I'm coming to Rome and I know being a follower of Jesus is not popular in Rome. And the heart of the Roman Empire is not a popular thing. Let me say this. It was less popular then than it is now. And Paul says, but I'm coming and I'm not going to be ashamed of the gospel. What does it look like to be ashamed? I'm so glad you asked. I was thinking about this. Um, You know, statistically speaking, at UVA, in a room this size with this many people, somebody grew up here in a home that was a Hokie fan. And you you wore Hokie gear growing up. You wore a Hokie t-shirt, you probably have a Hokie hat. And yet, I don't see any tonight. Because you would have thought better of wearing your hokey gear when you're at UVA, right? That's shame. Some of... (laughs) (laughs) Right? No, 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 no. Follow me, follow me. Some people call that wisdom. But I bet on Saturday when you go to the game, you're not going to be donning your hokey attire running to the student section. You're not going to do that. Because here's the thing, you don't want to be known as a Hokie fan at UVA, right? And it's the same thing if you grew up in Charlottesville and you go to Virginia Tech, you probably aren't going to pack your, your, your you know, UVA gear, V-Sabers. You're probably going to leave that at home. Now at the game, some of you are going to be checking the Hokie score. I know it. Here's the point. Paul says, I'm coming and I'm going to wear Christ boldly. And I know it may not be popular, but I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to change lives. It can change lives. Look, here's what you need to know. The word gospel was not a word that was thrown around lightly in that day. It was about life-changing, history-making news, okay? And Paul says, this is life-changing, history-making news. This is the news about what God has done for you in Christ Jesus, and it changes everything. He said, why would I be ashamed of life-changing, history-making news? In fact, one theologian put this, this is, he says, the gospel contains God's grace-filled, death-defeating, curse-reversing, evil-vanquishing, sin-cleansing, life-giving, love-forming, People uniting power that results in salvation. Why would we ever be ashamed of that? I mean, but before Paul met Jesus, Paul was messed up. (laughs) He was messed up. He was out persecuting Christians. And then he met Jesus. And he met the grace of God that, that transformed him, that cleansed his sin, that declared him righteous. And that transformed him by the Spirit's power. He said, why would I ever be ashamed of that? And so the same gospel that changed Paul's life, that changed my life, that changed my wife's life, that changed Tristan's life is the same gospel that it says for everyone who believes. So anyone, it means anyone in here, your life can be changed by this good news. It means there's grace for you. Perhaps you're here tonight and you're someone who You're under a constant sense of unworthiness. There's grace for you. No matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done or how many times you've done, I've got good news, there's grace for you. Or maybe you're you're one of the people who's always trying to earn God's approval and somehow that you can climb the ranks, so to speak. I got good news for you, there's grace for you. 
I mean, this grace is, is, is more life-changing and, and more radical and more powerful and more wild than you ever dared to imagine. The grace that is found in the gospel that has the power to change everyone's life. Isn't that good news? So I want to encourage you to not be ashamed of the gospel as you walk these grounds. Why? Because it has the power to change your life. Why? Because it has the power to change your friend's life. Why? Because it has power to change your, your teammate's life and your classmate's life and your roommate's life. Why would you be ashamed of something that has the power of God and the salvation to rescue people? We call it in Chi Alpha, we just call it real responsibility. That, that Chi Alpha literally means Christ's ambassador. He wants you to be his ambassador. Why? Because you carry this message that has the power to change everyone's life that you see. But the question is this, will you be ashamed? And you can easily start acting like the hokey fan at UVA and not wanting to be known as that. When it has the power to change lives. I want to close with a story, and I'll go ahead and ask the worship team to quietly come up. But please hone in with me here. I want to share a story that's 1,600 years old. It's a story of a college student whose name was Augustine. He was a young man who grew up in Algeria with a Christian mom who prayed. But he so looked forward to the day that he could go off to college. Like he could spread his wings and fly and leave kind of the backwater town in Algeria and and go to the place where he could finally have freedom to do whatever he wanted and indulge his flesh however he wanted and achieve everything he dreamed to achieve and experience all the things that he had wanderlust to to experience and so it was his day he was off he was going to college and he goes to Carthage he gets to Carthage and he did just what he hoped he explored his freedom to do whatever his flesh desired he um, achieved experienced. Much of what many of you hoped UVA would be is what he hoped Carthage would be, and he did it all, and here's what he found is it didn't satisfy him at all. In fact, while he was at Carthage, he got depressed and had to go home for a period of time in depression, and then he finally came back. But then, as he realized that Carthage didn't, didn't satisfy, he thought, well, when I get to Rome, that will satisfy. So, so if I can just go more to the center of the empire and become a bigger deal and achieve more, then, so he goes to Rome and he starts to achieve in Rome. And when he gets to the beacon of Rome that promised to be his source of hope, he gets there and guess what he found? It left him wanting. Well, he's like, well, but there's still Milan. I mean, if I could just get to Milan, because Milan was the, the seat of the Roman Empire, and he gets to Milan, it was, and it was a place of money and power and prestige and influence, and he's like, if I can just get there, and if I can just achieve, and guess what he does? He gets there, and he achieves, and he becomes uh, the chair of the rhetoric in Milan, a very prestigious position, and you know what he found? It didn't satisfy either. And then he met a bishop 
the name of Ambrose. Bishop Ambrose, he actually went to listen to Bishop Ambrose because he was a, his rhetorical skills. But he started to hear the gospel. He developed a friendship with Ambrose. And then one day, through a series of events, he opened his Bible. You know what he opened it to? To the book of Romans. And he read two verses in chapter 13. And the power of the gospel changed his life. In fact, here's what he, here's what he wrote. He wrote this. That we, this is a summation after all of his journey of, of looking for something that would satisfy his soul. He came to this summation and it was this. That we were made for you, O Lord. And our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. Because he had done it all, he'd achieved it all, he'd been there, done that, bought the t-shirt, had the medal, he'd done it. And it didn't satisfy. And so he started to follow Jesus and he made the source of his identity, his relationship with Jesus, because that is where he found the satisfaction for his soul. followed the Apostle Paul and made Jesus the center of his identity. What will you do? And then, where did he find encouragement? Well, from Ambrose, and Ambrose introduced him to the Christian community and, and other philosophers and scholars and friends. And he talked about how their love and their encouragement, their support and their challenge formed him. If Paul needed encouragement and Augustine needed encouragement and I need encouragement, we all need encouragement. Where will you make your core group a priority this semester, your Christian community a priority this semester? Not just like an appointment, but more of, of a way of life, of people you're doing life with. And then finally, will you be ashamed? Well, Augustine eventually became a bishop wrote and shared the good news of what he had found he chose not to be ashamed go ahead and put up the three questions one more time I have a question for you which of those three tonight do you need to answer you're here tonight and you're not a follower of Jesus but you can resonate with Augustine's story you've been here for 10 days and you already feel the beacon of hope is getting is fading in the distance and this isn't what you always hoped it would be when your junior year you're grinding it out to get here you there's grace for you because the gospel has the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes 
who trusts Jesus, who gives their allegiance to Jesus. And that can be you tonight. Will you stand? Heavenly Father, as we close tonight, I pray that you would solidify things in our hearts. I pray you would free people from the tyranny of trying to go out and curate their own identity and set them free with an identity in Christ as loved and knowing that they're yours. Lord, I pray that they would make the choice to be surrounded by your people and not to be ashamed of the good news of Jesus. And Lord, for those who are just seeking tonight, I pray that you would give them the grace to step forward and place their faith into Jesus. They, they would know what it looks like to trust Jesus and have him be their allegiance the center of their lives. So Lord, we pray for each person here. Do your work by your spirit. In Jesus' name. We end each week with a benediction. For the benediction, may God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you and turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Let's have a great week following Jesus. Thank you for listening to the Chi Alpha at the University of Virginia podcast. For more information, you can visit our website, xaatuva.com.